Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sam Howell at 20? <laughs> Come on. Kenny J is J- Hey, actually, let's stop Mark, here. You know what? Let's stop. Let's stop. Mark here. my words. Okay. I'm too low on Sam Howell. Now I'm going to keep him there because everyone's going to accuse me too of, low of a homer. Okay. I'm, Sam Howell, hey, Sam Howell finishes as a top 20 quarterback in fantasy points per game this year. Who's taking that bet with me? Who wants a dinner bet with me? I will say, I say, I'll take over 20.5. Okay, you'll take the over? Good. Done and done. There you go. Sam Howell's playing for the Texans. He would not be top 20. He would absolutely not be top 20 on the list. That's fine, but he's fine. It's fine. Uh, We love Sam Howell uh, here. Sam Howell drinks free always, (laughs) by the way. Anyone on the commanders typically does. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, where Sam Howell always drinks free, no matter the circumstances. I'm Connor Rogers, alongside Jay Croucher, and out there in the world joining us, of course, is Matthew Berry, who you heard the prediction right off the top there, Jay. Sam Howell will finish as a top 20 quarterback, and Matthew, as we bring you in, he technically did, in a sense. Season's not over. He's going he's gonna to easily finish as a top 20 fantasy quarterback right there. You see, you see it right there on your screen. He's number 18 for a long time there. He was a top 12 fantasy quarterback only because Ron Rivera kept pulling him the last two weeks. And, of course, now he's not going to play the next two games. But um, I don't think Josh Dobbs or Joe Burrow are going to uh, pass him. So I feel, uh, <laughs> I feel pretty confident that uh, that Howell will wind up a top 20 fantasy quarterback. He was legitimately a QB1 streamer for much of the year. Um, I think the uh, jury is still out on him as an NFL starting quarterback, but fantasy-wise, he absolutely provided a lot of value for this year if you drafted him late. you know, uh, A lot of talk about uh, me, call, me being Travis Homer, and I think deservedly so, but <laughs> like on Sam Howell, I was right, 100%. And I'm glad... Steven pulled that clip because I had forgotten about that. Jay Croucher owes me a dinner that I'd forgotten about. That's fine. It cancels out the dinner that you weren't going to give me for, uh, for Commanders plus three against the Jets, which came home. We're square there. We do have about 57 other bets, though, that are probably unresolved, but we need to, uh, to watch the tape there. I'm not sure what kind of parameters we're using to qualifies um, for those top 20 quarterbacks, but maybe um, you know, there's Jared Stidham could come through for me with a 20-point game, uh, knock That's Sam Howe further down the perch. Not over yet. Not over yet. Um, but Matthew, I am glad that you're, uh, you're coming into the show today from, uh, from where Hugh Jackman was trapped in the film Prisoners. <laughs> uh, looks yeah, like. No, I don't know what that is. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a bunker here. Um, uh, look, I, so Great I'm on vacation in Florida with my family, and I have seven kids here. 
I have my five, I have all five of my kids here and two of the kids have their longtime girlfriends here. So I have seven kids plus my wife, who's probably the loudest of them all. And so literally the only place in the entire house that I can find that is quiet is this closet. And, and so, yes, it definitely looks like I'm a, I'm a hostage and I'm trapped. And there's so many other better backdrops that I could have had here, but literally none of them would have required, would have been like, oh, quiet, or you could hear me and just, you know, I thought about doing it outdoors and I just, yeah. Welcome to my, welcome to my bunker. Welcome to my beautiful undecorated closet here. Well, I'm just glad you're not in uh, suburban Pennsylvania, which I believe is where Hugh was trapped uh, in that film directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, but no, it's a good look. And I like the verticality of your mic as well. Uh, it's very jarring. Very, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Outdoors in Florida would have been, uh, <laughs> yeah. you never know what could happen. But we're glad you're trapped with us for the next hour here, Matthew, because it is week 17's Love Hate. And before we get there, let's jump into the Roto World player news. For all your player news, go to NBCSports.com because here are the notable injuries we're tracking, and there are many of them going into championship weekend. CJ Stroud returned to practice. He's been dealing with a concussion for two weeks now. He practiced in a limited capacity. Zach Moss and Michael Pittman, Pittman also dealing with a concussion. Zach Moss has been dealing with the forearm injury. They both returned to practice in limited capacity, and Zay Jones with the hamstring does as well. On the not so positive outlook, although there's still some time. Trevor Lawrence, he's had every injury in the world this year. This time it's a shoulder that takes him out of practice. Jamar Chase also with the shoulder. He didn't play last week. Very, very questionable at best going into this week. We'll keep an eye on Chase. Kenneth Walker with a shoulder injury and illness kept him out of practice. And then the Dolphins. The Dolphins are ones that we always track right down to the wire. Devon Achan with the toe. He's been dealing with that for a couple weeks. Raheem Mostert, the knee ankle, and often a player of veteran rest. Keep an eye on him. Jalen Waddle, the most significant one here with the high ankle is what Mike McDaniel would call it. Jalen Waddle probably doubtful to play, but they have not ruled him out of that game. And that's not where the injuries stop as we go right into part two here. Cortland Sutton with a concussion didn't practice. Same with Isaiah Pacheco, who was also dealing with the shoulder. Say Flowers with the calf. Josh Jacobs still with that quad injury. If you have Zamir White, keep an eye on that one. Najee Harris with the knee. Jordan Addison with the ankle. Cole Komet with the knee. Keenan Allen still out with the heel injury. Kyler Murray missed practice with an illness. And Christian Watson has been dealing with that hamstring that's kept him out for multiple weeks here. Uh, Matthew, let's start right off the top. Which of those are the ones that you're keeping your eye on right down to the wire? Well, there's a few, right? Um, I mean, obviously, Waddle is a huge one there, you know, especially given the matchup against Baltimore. The expectation here is that Mostert is going to be able to go. Um, you know, there, there's a couple ones that, that are sort of like, you know, we'll see. I think the Michael Pittman one's really interesting. Concussions are, you know, we used to discuss this on my old show all the time, but concussions are a nonlinear injury. And we saw this last week, you know, in real time with Michael Pittman, who um, was out and doing better and then suffered a setback and then ultimately missed. I know he was limited back, but, you know, so to me, uh, Pittman, all concussions are serious, but, you know, some seem to linger longer than others. You know, we've seen it with C.J. Stroud, obviously. So Pittman is one that's a concern. And Isaiah Pacheco as well, again, in the concussion protocol, he's also, by the way, dealing with that shoulder injury. And so... Like in our show league, I grabbed Clyde Edwards Elaire just because, again, Jarek McKinnon is on IR. So there's a chance that in a great matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, Clyde Edwards Elaire could get 20 to 25 touches in a championship week. And no, is he great? No, he's not. But we do expect the Chiefs to be able to move the ball against Cincy. So Clyde Edwards Elaire becomes kind of interesting in 
somebody that I might grab and stash to see what happens with Isaiah Pacheco. And one bit of news just came in, Jay, right before we recorded the show. Trevor Lawrence, per Doug Peterson, is expected to get in a limited practice today. It just feels like as long as his limbs are on, Trevor Lawrence is going to try to play. Yeah, maybe even without limbs. Um, but he feels like he needs a holiday. He needs to join Matthew <laughs> yes. in Florida and just kind of just kind of unwind a little bit, bunker. Trevor. Uh, I feel like if he had an ACL, he'd be like, all right, I think I'm two, three weeks away. But no, that's certainly one to watch. That is a lot of ripple effects on everyone on that Jacksonville team. Just with the Pittman one, one thing with Indianapolis too is that They've been missing Braden Smith, their star right tackle, for the past few weeks, and that has just completely torped their offensive line. He practiced in full yesterday, so I think that bodes well for Pittman if he can play, because Minch will have more time against the Raiders' defense that quietly has been number one in the NFL since week eight. Uh, and so just getting Smith back, I think, would help Jonathan Taylor, help Zach Moss if he's able to go as well. So that, that's a sneaky big one, I think. The, the, the last one I'll mention there, Connor, also is just C.J. Stroud, who looks like, you know, all indications are is that he should be able to practice again. He should be able to play this week after missing the last two. And so, obviously, um, in a home game against the Titans defense that has been uh, middle of the pack, inconsistent, uh, to be kind, I think uh, C.J. Stroud, if you've managed to make it to the finals without C.J. Stroud, like if you used, like, Joe Flacco, for example, to sort of get by over the last couple of weeks, That would be exciting, and I think I would slap C.J. Stroud back in, who has been so good at home this year. Uh, By the way, not only C.J. Stroud, but I think that bodes well for Nico Collins and Noah Brown if you've been using either of them. Both those guys, I think, would be top 20 options. Nico top 10 and uh, Brown top 20, assuming C.J. Stroud suits it up against the Titans. And some more injury news, Matthew. Officially, Ramondre Stevenson has been put on injured reserve with that ankle injury. We know he's missed some time. The Patriots make it official. And for fantasy managers that might have been relying and getting something out of Ezekiel Elliott throughout these playoffs, where does he in your rankings for you now with uh, Ramondre Stevenson officially out for the rest of the year? He is a usable fantasy running back is what he is. He's running back 28 for me this week. So I'm inside my top 30 because you don't love the matchup against Buffalo. Uh, having said that, this is somebody who's averaging 22 touches a game in the three games that Ramondre Stevenson has missed. He's averaging over 19 fantasy points per game. And what's exciting in a game in which Buffalo's obviously favored, but even if they fall behind, they've been getting Zeke involved in the passing game. He's got a 28% target share over the last three weeks. So, again, there are a lot of running backs with good matchups here, but I think he's a viable flex this week, uh, Ezekiel Elliott with Ramondre Uh, out for the year and Zeke should be for the next two weeks usable if you need him in week 18. All right guys our last notable injury it's going to come down to the wire tonight for Thursday night football per NFL Network. Amari Cooper is questionable for the game tonight against the Jets with a heel injury. This is from this is from Tom Pelissero on Twitter. Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper is hopefully can play tonight against the Jets but his status remains up in the air per sources. The short week is tough. Cooper knows his body well. They'll get a better sense closer to kickoff. Jay, this was somebody that, if you're playing in a fantasy championship, there's a good chance Amari Cooper single-handedly got you there. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the line hasn't moved too much, so the market expectation is that Cooper will play, and he is someone who is who is good enough that he will materially move the line, particularly because of what is behind him and Flacco's connection with him. Now, with Cooper, I know it's a really difficult matchup against the Jets, but I think that's being a little bit overblown just because the Jets' defense, one, they just gave up 28 to the Commanders. Uh, they got lit up by the Dolphins without Tyreek. And I think that we focus so much on their secondary, and it is amazing they are an elite defense, but 
Sauce Gardner is the superstar cornerback. DJ Reed just hasn't quite been the same guy yeah. the past few weeks, and you can speak better on this right. than me, Connor. And the thing is, is that, as we've spoken about a lot, Sauce Gardner doesn't trail guys. Like, he's got his side, DJ Reed's got his side, so just put Amari Cooper on the other side. That's the key. I would actually rather see Cooper against Reed than their slot corner, Michael yeah. Carter, who's been better than Reed for about a month now. Yep. So I'm with you all the way, Jay. Matthew, where does Cooper come in uh, on your rankings this week, and how do you handle this? You have, once again, tough matchup, not you know, a completely write him off entirely matchup, but also the fact this is going to come down to the wire where we don't know if he'll be limited in any capacity throughout this game. It's a tricky situation. Really tricky as well, especially given, you know, the fact is it's a tough matchup, right? Over the last four weeks, only one wide receiver scored over eight fantasy points against the Jets. Having said that, he's Amari Cooper, who's coming off of, you know, just, you know, one of the best fantasy games, if not the best fantasy game of the year. Are you really going to bench a guy coming off a 50-plus point performance? He's also had a 30% target share to the last three games. He's had back-to-back games with over 100 receiving yards uh, as well with Amari Cooper. Um, I don't know. I'm at running back. I'm sorry, wide receiver 23. So I'm just outside my top 20, but it would be hard for me to bench. The positives are it's the Thursday night game. It's the start of the week. And so if he's inactive, then you can go ahead and bench him. I would say it just sort of depends on what your other options are. But generally speaking, the Browns have, and this is crazy, but the Browns have a legit shot at the number one seed in the AFC. They're one of the few teams remaining that still can potentially have the number one seed and make the road to the Super Bowl go through Cleveland. And so I think Amari Cooper, who, um, you know, it's it's been a couple of tough years in uh, in Cleveland. I know he had some success in Dallas, but, you know, He's a guy who started his career at the Raiders. It's been, you know, tough in Cleveland. Like, he knows the importance of this game. I'm betting, and I have no inside information here. This is just a gut call. I think he plays. And while I get the matchup, this one feels like getting too cute if you bench Amari Cooper. If he's active, he's going to be starting for me. I'm starting him in a playoff game uh, specifically because I just can't think about, hey, I know you scored 50, 50 for me last week, but I'm putting you on my bench this week. Yeah, and no matter the situation, we know Joe Flacco is just going to keep throwing it. Yep. So I think that gives you it. a little bit more confidence. Well, hoof it. Yeah, absolutely. It. That is it for our injuries today. Obviously, stick with us tomorrow because we'll have more practice designations and a better outlook going into a massive weekend. It is Week 17, love-hate, and we'll start with the running backs, namely one that's been proving doubters wrong for the last month and a half. What have you been able to attribute your success, especially this season, to? I know you had been injured for a couple of games, but just to be able to have that, that consistency, that resilience. Just the doubters, man. Like, I've always been overlooked my whole life, so now that I'm finally on the stage that I've waited for to be on, I'm going to take every opportunity. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to let them know that, you know, I am one of the best backs in this league. So they're going to have to, you know, it's either you open your eyes now or you just you, you miss it. So um, that's just me just going out there and just loving this stuff and doing it to the fullest. That was Rams running back Kyron Williams, who, no shock, leads the love list going into this weekend. Matthew, this has been the king of volume and, in large part, the king of production, especially since he returned from injury, headlining your love list going into Week 17. Yeah, I feel a lot of similarity with Kyron Williams. We've both been overlooked our whole life. We're finally getting a shot, each of us, this year. It's very exciting for both of us. And in terms of Kyron Williams, like you mentioned the volume, it's just insane. Right, Every game that he's played, he's gotten at least 22 touches. He leads running backs in terms of touches inside the 10-yard line since returning. Like, Not only is he getting a ton of touches, he's getting a ton of green zone touches 
right there as well. By the way, running backs that have seen more than 15 touches against the Giants are averaging over 18 fantasy points per game. Again, you see it there on your screen. He's never had less than 22 touches in a game this year since returning from injury. And running backs that get at least 15 against the Giants always score well. So love-hate is not necessarily about obvious, non-obvious. It's about players that we expect to exceed expectations. Kyron Williams is my number two running back this week. Only Chris McCaffrey is higher in the ranks for me. He makes my love list. He makes my thank you for uh, being there. Thank you for getting me to the fantasy championship. And thank you for bringing me the title this week list as well. Kyron Williams, number two on the ranks and uh, leading the love list for, uh, for week 17. Jay, I mean, this is somebody this week we've briefly talked about. He could be the second or third running back taken in redraft leagues yeah. next year. And it's, Completely earned. Yeah, and I think, look, it's a good matchup against the Giants. The Rams are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The Giants have the 26th-ranked rushing defense in the league by efficiency, but it doesn't matter. Like, Kyron Williams is just the guy who's – he is now completely matchup-proof because that offense is just rolling at such a level. The offensive line, which was supposed to be a joke going into the season, now feels like a strength of the team. And with the space that Kyron Williams has uh, with what Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, the attention they get on the outside, I mean, he's just a, he's just a superstar. He's the number two running back. Uh, for a reason. And speaking of superstar, Jameer Gibbs has looked like that the second half of this season. You could see why the Lions place such a priority on this guy in the draft. He's our next running back on the love list with a matchup against the Cowboys this week. Yeah, and the Cowboys defense, you think of it as scary, but it's not a scary run defense. They really miss Jonathan Hankins, which is kind of a problem if your defense is falling apart without Jonathan Hankins. But think about what Buffalo did to them a couple of weeks ago where they just ran the ball relentlessly. And Josh Allen only had to complete seven passes for them to blow out the Cowboys. And now with the Lions, Lions have a better offensive line than Buffalo. They have a better running game than Buffalo. And I think that to mitigate Parsons and Lawrence getting at Jared Goff. I think they'll want to run the ball. So Jameer Gibbs should be an absolute monster this week. And and David Montgomery should be as well. And Matthew, I think the difference here is that Gibbs is getting a lot of that red zone work despite them having Montgomery. They are finally using him the way you'd expect considering the draft capital they spent on him. There's no question. Since David Montgomery returned, this is crazy. Like we knew how much volume he was going to get with David Montgomery out. But since David Montgomery returned, Jameer Gibbs is top five in the NFL in terms of red zone touches. Even with Monty there, they're giving the ball to Gibbs in clutch situations. Oh, by the way, since Dave Montgomery returned, he's the fourth best running back in fantasy, Jameer Gibbs. Think about that. Once Dave Montgomery returned from that point forward till now, Jameer Gibbs is the fourth best running back in fantasy. You think about this Cowboys defense, 25th against the run over the last month. So, yeah, give me Jameer Gibbs as a top seven play this week as well. For all the people that were panicking early on Jameer Gibbs, why was, he on, why was he on your preseason love list, him and Montgomery? Well, this is why. So, yeah, you're welcome, America, for both of them. Our next one here, Matthew, is essentially just who is the starting healthy running back for the Raiders? Is it Josh Jacobs? Is it Zamir White? Whichever one it is comes in on the love list against the Colts this week, and both have been great, especially yeah. since Antonio Pierce took over. And because of the holdout and, uh, you know, everything like that, Josh Jacobs was on the preseason hate list. I have to mention that. And um, I think, obviously, that motivated him. So you're welcome, America. Once again, you're welcome for me putting Josh Jacobs on the preseason hate list. The the fact is, is that whoever is – like, listen, credit to Antonio Pierce because he's got the Raiders playing at such a high level. As of this taping, it's Thursday – we, we told you at the top of the show, Jacobs didn't practice yesterday. He's missed the last two. We don't know what his status is. If Jacobs can come back this week, 
great. But if not, Zamir White has sort of been a one-for-one replacement for him as well. Like, Zamir White has gotten the majority of the running back touches with Jacobs out. And whoever gets the start for Las Vegas should have a ton of success against the Colts. They've allowed at least 100 yards from scrimmage to an opposing running back in five of their past six games. They're allowing 28.5 fantasy points per game to opposing running back. That's third most in the NFL. And so on the road at Indianapolis, expect the Las Vegas Raiders to feature their run game again. I mean, I thought this stat was crazy. Last week, Aiden O'Connell threw the ball for 62 yards in the first quarter and then not another yard the rest of the way. And they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So Antonio Pierce and his staff know, like, you know what? If we just keep running the ball and playing great defense, because that's what the Raiders are doing these days, good things are going to happen. And so with the Raiders still alive, still in the hunt, I expect them to uh, feature the run game heavily. Whoever's the Raiders starting running back is going to be a top 10 play for me this week. Favorable matchup against Indianapolis. They could not tackle anything against the Falcons. And spoke about this yesterday. If you get past Grover Stewart, their star, their best defensive tackle in terms of stuffing the run, then it's just a free-for-all because no one else on the team can tackle seemingly. So it's a very favorable matchup. This Colts defense, they've spoken about this. They sell out to stop explosives because they don't want to expose their young cornerbacks uh, without help. So they stay back and you can run the ball on Indianapolis. And I suspect that uh, certainly based on what the Raiders did against the Chiefs, that the Raiders will emphasize the run. That line is Indianapolis minus three and a half, which is a little, feels a little big for me, given that they were just three-point dogs to Atlanta and got blown out. So uh, I'm not too sure about that one, but I think the Raiders will have success running the ball. A couple others receiving votes this week at running back. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, and Jalen Warren all make the list here. Matthew Swift as a top 15 play against that Arizona defense. Yeah, and that's the key, right? I mean, the concern with Swift, they don't use him in the passing game. And if they get, you know, to the three-yard line, you know it's going to be the brotherly shove. So he gets vultured a lot. Having said that, no team in the NFL gives up more fantasy points per game to opposing running backs than the Arizona Cardinals. And teams that face Arizona this year are averaging over 26 running back carries a game. So DeAndre Swift should have a lot of success against the Cards. Aaron Jones, look, the, the Packers are so banged up at the pass catcher position as well. And so Jones, who's had at least 17 touches in back-to-back weeks, he looked great against Carolina. Not that he could get into the end zone in a playoff game that I lost by less than six points and had Aaron Jones starting. Like, could you have gotten him into the end zone? Like, would that have killed you? But um, either way, Jones looks good. He is running well. I expect them to lean on him against a Vikings defense that's given up 100 yards uh, from scrimmage to a running back in three of the past four. Um, and then finally, Jalen Warren. Uh, it's worth noting Seattle's a bottom two. They're the 31st ranked run defense. They're bottom two in the NFL over the last four weeks. Jalen Warren's starting to get a little bit more um, run recently as well. His two highest snap rates of the season have been the last two weeks as well. Also back-to-back games with a 20% target share. Mason Rudolph, not scared to dump it off. So Jalen Warren, I think, is a viable flex this week. I think DeAndre Swift is the interesting one uh, of those guys just because we spoke about this last week. Like, Philadelphia all season, they just haven't been blowing anyone out. Yeah. Last year, they were destroying teams and were in positive run scripts all the time. DeAndre Swift had 20 carries against the Giants. That was the first time he'd had 20 carries in a game since week two against Minnesota. Now, all of a sudden, double-digit favorites against the Cardinals who have a bad run defense. If there was ever a game for DeAndre Swift to, you know, do what he did against Minnesota, which was uh, 175 rushing yards, then this would be the type of game where he could do that. All right, we move over to the hate list, which is headlined by Tony Pollard here. Matthew just makes it in as a top 20 play at RB20 against the Lions. 
Not a lot going for Pollard right now, included his workload is down, his production is down, and as we've said earlier on the show, one of the bigger fantasy disappointments of the year. I think he's the biggest fantasy disappointment of the year. You know, I put that out. We talked about that on the show the other day. I put that clip out on social, and I got people saying, well, what about Austin Eckler? Well, Austin Eckler missed time. And, oh, by the way, he's been better fantasy-wise. And they'd be like, well, what about Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase? Both guys got injured this year. Cooper Cup missed the first four weeks of the season. Like, like Tony Pollard's played every game. He's just been bad, right? I mean, and when you need him the most, when you need him the most – um, he hasn't been there. You mentioned the workload. Back-to-back games with fewer than 15 touches. Um, uh, back-to-back games with a single-digit target share, right? And you don't like this matchup against Detroit. Five of the last seven running backs to face the Lions have scored below 12 fantasy points. They've allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs this season. And, in fact, no running back has rushed for more than 67 yards in a game against Detroit. And so Tony Pollard, who – I mean, this is a – it's a simple thing, but did you – Connor, did you see that play – against Miami last week, where they pitch it out left. Dak pitches that out left to Tony Pollard. He's got a chance at the end zone. All he has to do is take one cut to the corner, and he should be able to beat that guy um, and get to the pylon and score. And instead, he decides to cut inside and gets tackled the one-yard line. Like, I don't know if it's his vision. He's saying he wasn't fully healthy off the surgery from last year, but he's been bad. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That play was brutal, and it's kind of a microcosm of his season in terms of just not being able to get in the end zone consistently, Jay, and why you're seeing a little bit more Rico Daddle now. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyron Smith is banged up, which is uh, a huge detriment for Tony Pollard. And this Dallas team, they just they love to throw the ball. They're sixth yeah. in pass rate over expected. And now they get the be- almost the best matchup in the league to lean into that because, one, you have to score to be able to keep pace with Detroit. And Dallas will be throwing the ball because Detroit have a terrible pass defense. They have a very solid run defense. So it's th- it feels like if Pollard's going to have a big game, it's going to have to be uh, as a pass catcher. All right, our next running back on the hate list, Jerome Ford here, Matthew. He plays tonight, Thursday night football against the Jets. And for Jerome Ford right now, the Browns' run game as a whole, with him, Kareem Hunt, basically since Nick Chubb has been down. But these last couple weeks especially, they've really, really struggled to run the ball. Joe Flacco's been airing it out. He has been, and I've been, you know, I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, right? And I mean, like, I have Jerome Ford in our show league. I'm playing in the championship this week after, you know, dispatching the stick men. Um there's a there's some controversy going on in the, yes, uh, in the show league, but I'm not. I won't go there. I won't Please go do. there. I can. I can. No, I, I know the blood don't, draining don't from Stephen's face. I'll I'll uh, from producer Stephen's face. So I won't go there. Maybe we'll talk about the controversy next week or something like that. But at any point, the fact is, is we're in a 12 team league, super deep, super flex league. There's no one on the waiver wire. I already told you, like I scraped together uh, Clyde Edwards later. But even given that, I'm still not starting Ford tonight against the Jets, right? He's averaging just 2.6 yards per carry the last four games. 60% of his points has come from receiving. So you're like, okay, great. Well, like the problem is, is that they're, that uh, they're not using him in the passing game all that much. And in fact, over the last four weeks, the Jets have allowed the eighth fewest yards per carry to opposing running backs. They don't use them when they get in close. Yes. Jerome Ford scored last week, but when they get in close more often than not, they like Kareem Hunt. He's seen less than 30% of the team's red zone touches since the Nick Chubb injury as well. And so going up against this Jets defense, I'm just super nervous. Like Ford got – you bailed – Ford bailed you out last week with a touchdown, but it was his first one in a while. And just – it's kind of this two-and-a-half-headed committee because it's it's Ford and Hunt, and then Pierre Strong gets in there a little bit as well. And, and what we expect to be a very low-scoring game on the road against the Jets, I just sadly having to bench Jerome Ford. 
Yeah, this is a tough spot, Jay. Yeah, it's not ideal. And just look at what the Browns weren't able to do against the Texans. Like, it was just a joke. They could not do anything on the ground. And the Texans have a solid run defense, but I think the Jets have a better run defense. And we've seen that this Browns offense, it's a drop-back offense. They are having Flacco drop back 40-plus times a game. And I think that is going to be the way that they can put pressure on the Jets. So, no, not a good matchup. Uh, and if you can bench Jerome Ford, then you probably should. Yeah, and I think with Ford, his best ability is his outside running. And yeah. the Jets, with Quincy Williams, who might be the all-pro linebacker yeah. this year, they could stop the outside run. It's the downhill running of Kareem Hunt, for instance, that you worry about uh, with the Jets. So I, I totally agree with Ford. Making the hate list, our last one, Matthew, for running backs on the hate list, Gus Edwards, who it felt like every single week for a long stretch of the season he was scoring a touchdown. The problem is when he stops scoring touchdowns, he's not very effective in fantasy. That's exactly right. He's he's basically a poor man's DeAndre Swift, right? I mean, DeAndre Swift is a guy who, you know, doesn't doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, isn't involved in the passing game, so it's just really a volume-based play and you need him to fall into the end zone. Whereas with Gus Edwards, he doesn't even really get the volume that much, right? Since week nine, he's only had 40% one game. He's had one game with more than 40% of the team's rushing attempts. They've got Justice Hill. You know, they were using Keaton Mitchell for a while before his injury, but now they've got Justice Hill. And, of course, Lamar is always a threat to run the ball. They're opening up the passing offense more as well. And so Gus Edwards, who's not involved in the passing attack, I know he he caught that one ball for like 46 yards, you know, on kind of a broken down play against San Francisco last week. But generally speaking, they don't use Gus Edwards in the passing attack. And so he's very, very much touchdown dependent. So it's a little bit like how lucky do you feel? Do you think Gus Edwards falls in the end zone? And if he doesn't, it's going to be single-digit fantasy points. It's worth noting that since week five, no team in the NFL allows fewer fantasy points per game to opposing running backs than the Miami Dolphins. You saw them shut down Tony Pollard last week as well. It's a very, very good defense as well. And so Gus Edwards, who has a target share below 3% since uh, since week nine, like he just he's a touchdown-dependent you know, flex. And this week, championship week, I just think it's getting too cute unless you're desperate. He's my running back 35. Yep, I agree there. And I think that one of the most underrated things about the season is just how good this Miami defense has been since Jalen Ramsey came back in week eight. Since that point, the Dolphins have the number two defense in the NFL. They're fourth against the run, third against the pass. This is a very complete defense. Now, they've had a pretty easy schedule, but they still did play the Chiefs and the Cowboys in that stretch, but uh, not a good matchup for Gus Edwards. Find another way to celebrate the holiday season by being a part of Premier League festive fixtures. We are in the midst of 29 matches over 13 days on NBC, USA, and Peacock. So wrap up 2023 by checking out all the thrilling moments across the pond. From creative set pieces to scorching shots and amazing saves, it's the gift that keeps on giving. We're taking our first break. When we're back, love-hate continues pass catchers and quarterbacks right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. 
and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Here's what's positive, though, for Brock Purdy. For anyone that manages to survive and have Brock Purdy on their team, uh, or, you know, Debo, who was a little bit disappointing last night as well. Look who's coming up on their schedule next. The Washington Commanders. Now they've got a very angry, pissed off, very motivated 49ers team that just got embarrassed on national TV, and they're going to just take it out on somebody. Who's next? Who do we get? Oh, 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 oh. They get the Washington Commanders. I can't wait to see the massacre of my team. This is so sad and depressing. Love, hate, pass catchers. Obviously, that was Matthew at the top, ready for the Niners offense against the Commanders, Matthew. And that's why Debo Samuel, who's had an interesting week in the news, him and Cam Newton, Debo Samuel leads the love list for pass catchers. He does. A lot of people are like, you know what, Barry? You have so many stats about the commanders and how bad they are this year. Surely you must have run out by now. No way, Monfrey. Absolutely not. I have many, many, many uh, other bad stats about the commanders. They've allowed the second most receptions of 25 yards or more this season. Since week 10, they allow a league high 44.1 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. Exactly. They are the 26th worst pass defense over the last four months. In fact, no team has given up more points just in terms of total points over the last four weeks than my Washington Commanders. Like, you can score against them in many, many ways. And friend of the podcast, friend of the show, two-time friend of the show, Debo Samuel, should do that early and often against my Commanders. He's had at least a 27% target share in four of the past five games as well. Um, Don't forget that uh, Ron Rivera is going to be calling the plays in this one. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, you know, so anyway, they're just, it's, uh, this is going to be, uh, I think this is going to be ugly. I think this is going to be ugly. Yeah. Look, we, is, uh... we, look, we need to, we need to lose this game, commanders. We need to lose this game. We came close against the Jets of winning. Stop it. We need to, we need a top three pick. You guys know what to do. You under, understand the assignment, Ron. Understand their assignment, uh, Washington. Debo's going to have a big week. He's my wide receiver six. Yeah, there is no better uh, hangover cure drink than the Washington Commanders. Some are calling the Washington secondary liquid IV. Um, yeah, yes. For, uh, for Debo and co. And uh, yeah, couldn't ask for a better spot for, for Brock Purdy to get right. And, and Debo should be a big beneficiary. All right, our next one on the love list here, Nico Collins. Jay, for Matthew, he comes in as wide receiver eight. We know what the Collins-Stroud connection can do. And it's looking like uh, promising news for Stroud returning to practice. And that means good news for Nico Collins. Yeah, D'Amico Ryan said that CJ Stroud is in stage four of the concussion protocol. And there are only five stages. So you would expect that he is likely going to play. Certainly the spread, which is uh, 
around Texans minus five and a half now. So that certainly indicates that Stroud is going to play. And we haven't seen much of Nico Collins with CJ Stroud without Tank Dell. But I think we're going to see that this week most likely. And just he should get a supreme target share against the Tennessee defense that just doesn't have any people left. Like Jeffrey Simmons is on IR. They're really banged up. Obviously traded buyout earlier in the season. So this is a very friendly matchup against a pretty weak secondary. And Nico Collins should feast. To your point, Jay, they've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers the Titans have as well. And so this game is at home, as we talked about, where C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins have both played very well. In uh, in his uh, games at home so far this season, Nico Collins averaging 23 fantasy points per game. Every touchdown he's scored this year has come at NRG Stadium, and that's where they're going to be playing on Sunday as well. So Nico Collins, who is averaging 23 um, uh, points per game at home, as we talked about, and with C.J. Stroud under center, weeks one through 13, all the full games that Nico Collins played with C.J. Stroud under center, he's wide receiver nine on a points-per-game basis for the season. He comes in at wide receiver eight for me this week. I have Nico in a, uh, in, a in a matchup. My, um, my old, all my, I'm, I'm in the finals in my, uh, my longest-running fantasy league. I'm, I'm in a league with all the guys I went, with, went to college with. It's a keeper league that we've had for literally over 30 years. And um, I'm in the finals. Uh, I co-own a team with my college roommate. We uh, we really enjoy it. And uh, Nico Collins will be starting for the Parrot Heads, which is our team, as you can imagine. Not too far behind him, Matthew. Chris Alabe, who in his return has looked really, really good. And on top of that, he gets a great matchup against the Bucks in Week 17. Look, since Week 6, Chris Olave has had only one game with fewer than eight targets. Only one game where he hasn't gotten at least eight targets. Why does that matter? Because wide receivers that have seen at least seven targets against the Buccaneers are averaging over 18 fantasy points per game. No team in the NFL has given up more yards to wide receivers. They've given up, also given up the fourth most fantasy points. So uh, Chris Olave should have a huge game. I have a top 10 play against the Buccaneers. Because, by the way, the Bucs are playing red hot, too. I think this game has sneaky uh, shootout potential uh, as well. I know that the Saints usually have a pretty good defense, but... Um, uh, I like the over in this game, which I think is at 42 and a half. The last time I looked, it was 42 and a half. I like the over in this game, Jay. I think this has sneaky shootout potential. Two, two offenses that are playing pretty well. Yep, yep, that over's been trending upwards. And I think just the level that Carr showed, I know, I know they lost the game against the Rams, but Carr looked good uh, and delivered 20-plus fantasy points. Baker Mayfield's been playing like a top-10 quarterback for a month now. So I agree that this one has shootout potential. And I think with Olave, I think a lot of people might have got suckered into the Bucks defense playing really well against the Jags. I think that says more about the Jags and where Trevor Lawrence is at with his body and where that offense is at at the moment. Like, this still isn't a good Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Think about what C.J. Stroud to them, other teams that have lit them up, Brock Purdy's perfect passer rating. Uh, so I think that uh, Olave should be able to do whatever he wants. Next up here, Matthew, Trey McBride. We know the kind of volume McBride has gotten since he's taken over as the starter. And as you always say, start your tight ends against Philadelphia. Death taxes and start your titans against Philadelphia. Connor, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned the kind of volume. Here's a stat just to underline that. Since he took over as a starter, Trey McBride has the seventh highest target share of any player. Oh, not of any tight end. Of any player in the NFL, the seventh highest target share of any player in the NFL. And you mentioned the matchup against the Eagles. Titans that have seen at least six targets against Philly are averaging 16 fantasy points per game. Trey McBride is a top three tight end for me this week. I know it wasn't an awesome game from last week against Chicago, but uh, and I do think 
you know, that would change if Kyler Murray were suddenly not able to play in this one. But we expect Kyler Murray, even with the illness, we expect Kyler Murray to go and uh, them to be trailing in this one. So Trey McBride should be peppered early and often. Uh, I lost a lot of TJ Hawkinson this week. Luckily, I have Trey McBride in a few leagues. <laughs> in a couple of weeks, I most definitely do not have Trey McBride. But uh, if you've ridden Trey McBride, uh, enjoy it. It's a great week for uh, for you and him. He makes the love list of tight end three. And just quickly, the Eagles now have the number 28 defense in the NFL by EPA per play. And that's trending in the wrong direction. That's getting worse. Uh, and last year, they had the number four defense. So that's been, I mean, it's a big story. It's been well covered. But that is just puts in stark terms how badly that defense has fallen. A couple others receiving votes here. Chris Godwin in that game you just mentioned, Matthew, uh, comes in as wide receiver 20. JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba against the Steelers. Demario Douglas against the Bills. Chiga Conquo against the Texans. And Gerald Everett against the Broncos. Uh, some maybe viable flex plays or wide receiver three plays here, Matthew, and some streaming tight ends. Godwin's finally looked like Godwin three straight games with a target share above 30%. You mentioned JSN Steelers, who allowed the fourth most yards to the slot. Demario Douglas, very quietly since week eight, has a 23% target share against Buffalo. You expect the Patriots to have to throw, and that offense throws to him, especially with Hunter Henry bang up. Hey, Chica Conquo finally coming around since week 12. He's a top 12 fantasy tight end. Houston, great matchup as their bottom five in receptions, yards, and fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And Gerald Everett, 23% target share of his last three games. It's worth noting the Broncos allow the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. So Gerald Everett, I think, is a viable streamer this week as well. Him and Chigakonkwo, if you're missing TJ Hawkinson, for example. All right, we move over to the hate list for pass catchers, Jay. Headlined by DJ Moore. Got a little banged up in the first quarter last week. Did not finish the game strong. And against Atlanta with A.J. Terrell, we talk about this a lot in fantasy this year. It always gives you a little bit of a scare because he's somebody that can shadow wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. And look, one, the concern, as you mentioned, about the injury, so that's a problem. Two, this Atlanta defense is not a great defense, but they do have A.J. Terrell for a number one wide receiver. And also, on the season, they are the 15th-ranked pass defense. And a lot of that came when their guys were injured. And so now they are healthy, and that is the key thing. I think that's what really shone against Indianapolis, the fact that they have guys like David Onyemata back, the fact that Jesse Bates is playing like close to the best safety in the NFL this season, plus AJ Terrell, Nate Landman, they really missed him for a while, so this is all of a sudden a pretty solid defense against the banged up DJ Moore. Matthew, where does he rank for you? Yeah, he comes in at wide receiver 27 for me this week. I mean, look, my concern here is, like, he got banged up last week, right? He came back, he gutted it out, but still couldn't get to 20 yards against the Cardinals. And now, as you mentioned, he faces A.J. Terrell in this Falcons defense that since week nine has allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And in fact, in that stretch, only one wide receiver has even scored more than 13 points against the Falcons. So I'm as a low-end wide receiver three because I get it. He's still D.J. Moore, but at less than 100% in a tough matchup, it's hard to see him having a monster game here. Our next one, Matthew, is Calvin Ridley against the Panthers. He comes in as wide receiver 24 for you. This one might be tough because we don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to play. But I have to ask you, how much of a difference does it make at this point, even if a banged-up Trevor Lawrence is able to gut through this one for Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's ideal, honestly. I I still think a less than 100% Trevor Lawrence is better than C.J. Beathard just who they would have here. But I, I agree with Jay's comment from early in the show, which is like it was more about the Buccaneers. It was, I'm sorry, it was less about the Bucks' defense and more about the ineptitude of the Jaguars' offense at the moment than um, uh, than anything else. And so with Lawrence, who's either going to be less than 100% or C.J. Spethard, 
Beathard, you're going against a Carolina defense that is top four in the NFL in terms of fewest fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. Only two wide receivers since week seven is having even more than 64 receiving yards against these Carolina Panthers. That secondary has really come on well. They're playing well. It's an inconsistent um, passing attack here. They still haven't really found their rhythm since Christian Kirk went down in Jacksonville. And, of course, Lawrence has been dealing with a myriad of injuries. So I feel like this is a big Travis Etienne game. I feel like they try to lean on the run game as well against Carolina because that's where you attack them over the last month. Panthers are the third best pass defense in the NFL. Like they've really, really played well. Very in what's been a tough year for Carolina, that secondary has been a bright spot. Jay, our last pass catcher here, George Pickens, comes in as wide receiver 35 for Matthew. He's put on quite a Gabe Davis kind of uh, season here, where massive weeks like last week, and then weeks where you can't find him. I think the issue is just he's dependent on these 60, 70 yard touchdown catches, and that's just obviously very unsustainable. And the fact that Mason Rudolph will be the quarterback. I don't think that is great news for George Pickens, who established a rapport with Kenny Pickett. Uh, so, And also just against the Seattle secondary that should get Devin Witherspoon back. I think there are a lot of reasons that George Pickens could, uh, could trend down. Yeah, Matthew, could you start him in championship week? I mean, you have to be pretty desperate, right? Pretty desperate is right. I mean, I'm at wide receiver 35. You mentioned how dependent he is on big plays, touchdowns. 34% of his fantasy points this year have come on his touchdowns on those deep passes. But over the last 10 games, Seattle top five in the NFL in terms of fewest yards allowed on deep passes. They defend the deep ball very, very well. Since week eight, he's had one game with more than four receptions. I don't expect Mason Rudolph to go into Seattle and surprise the Seahawks the way he did the Bengals. I think the Seahawks will be ready to play. It's always tough to play at Seattle. So again, just wide receiver 35 for me this week. We jump to love-hate for the quarterbacks. And Matthew, yesterday on early line alert, I read a stat for the Cowboys that they're averaging 40 points a game at home this season. That is the best in the NFL. For you, Dak Prescott headlines the love list for quarterbacks this week. Yeah, he's been great at home so far this year, averaging over 25 fantasy points per game. And we know this Detroit secondary really struggles. Last month, they're a bottom five pass defense as well. The Cowboys have the second highest implied team total this week. This is a game the Cowboys desperately need. You heard me talk earlier about Tony Pollard, his struggles, and that I don't think he has a particularly good game. So in terms of how I think this game plays out, it's all going to be Dak Prescott, his arm. CeeDee Lamb, my guy, eight. So you'll see some Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson in there as well. But he's my number two quarterback. Other than Jalen Hurts against Arizona, I don't think there's a quarterback you want to start in fantasy this week more than Dak Prescott. Jay, is there any way he could get back in the MVP conversation, or is that completely done? I just think the issue for him is he just doesn't have the high leverage spot. Like, he doesn't get to play Lamar Jackson. He doesn't get to play Josh Allen again. Uh, So I think it's going to be difficult for Dak. On merit, I think he should be top three. Just his stats are incredible. And I thought that even though they lost the game and his stats weren't amazing against Miami, I thought he was magnificent in that game. The way that he absorbed uh, the pass rush from the Dolphins. He was constantly under pressure. Led them down the field uh, for the game. Well, it looked like it was going to be the game-winning drive. And it just shows how silly MVP can be. That if Micah Parsons gets a strip sack on that final Miami drive, then Dak Prescott's the second favorite for MVP. He's got nothing to do with that. He did everything that he could in his power. But a uh, very favorable matchup against the Lions. Certainly. Speaking of favorable matchup, Brock Purdy, Matthew, against the Commanders. Purdy coming off, obviously, a disastrous game, but he comes in as a top five quarterback for you because of the matchup this week. 
Yeah, if you survived Brock Purdy last week, you're in good news. Again, guess what? Great news. I have more bad commander stats. I know people keep thinking I'm going to run out of them, but I'm not going to. They've allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. They allow passing touchdowns at the highest rate. They've given up at least two passing touchdowns in 10 of the last 12. They've allowed at least 28 points in six straight games. Pick a stat, any stat. My commanders are awful, and Brock Purdy's going to have his way with him. He's my fifth-ranked quarterback this week. All right, Jay, our next one here, Kyler Murray. He comes in as a top-10 quarterback for Matthew. He's got the Eagles. And with Kyler, since the return of injury, the rushing is still a factor here. Yeah, he's just such a threat when they get in close to the end zone. Uh, And I think the key is here, just like we mentioned, the Philadelphia pass defense is just completely drawing dead at the moment. So Kyler Murray, uh, justifiably a top-7 quarterback this week. Since week eight, I mean, we've talked about this Eagles defense. They're allowing 23.4 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Again, that's the most in the NFL since week eight. No one gives up more points to opposing quarterbacks. They're also allowing touchdown passes at the third highest rate. So Murray, who's averaging at least 31 rushing yards per game since he returned with at least one goal line carry in four of six games, should be in for another big week. He was, was, uh, you know, he had over 20 fantasy points last week, and I'm at QB7 this week. A couple of others receiving votes here, Matthew. Stafford at QB8 against the Giants. C.J. Stroud against the Titans, assuming he's returning. And Geno Smith against the Steelers right on the fringe there at QB14 here, Matthew. Stafford and Stroud both top 10 plays this week. He playing against the Giants for Stafford, who's playing so well. Four of the last six quarterbacks to face New York have scored at least 17 fantasy points. Since week 12, Stafford is a top four fantasy quarterback. We talked about Stroud earlier, 23 points per game at home. This game is in Houston. And Geno Smith, over the last four weeks, Steelers touchdown passes at the fifth highest rate. He's a top 15 option this week. Okay, let's move over to the hate list with quarterbacks here. Tua Tungavailoa, of course, Jay. He's got the Ravens. He's QB 16 for Matthew. This is a massive game. MVP implications, playoff implications, seeding implications for the AFC, and a tough spot for Tua, which is assuming no Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I would say in the NFL discourse, the quarterback uh, who is most analogous to Brock Purdy is probably Tua Tagovailoa, <laughs> and we just saw what the Baltimore Ravens did to Brock Purdy, and I think the Tua will have trouble, particularly if Kyle Hamilton is able to go in that game, uh, and particularly missing Jalen Waddle as well, potentially. Matthew, first on Tua, are you, uh, are you considering sitting him in a lot of spots this week? Do you think the matchup is that bad? And then we'll move to the other hate list and Jake Browning. Well, certainly if Jalen Waddle's not going to play, he wasn't spotted at practice today. So, again, that, that is significant if Jalen Waddle can't play against a Ravens defense that, by the way, have already allowed the fewest passing touchdowns this season. Only two quarterbacks have scored at least 17 fantasy points against Baltimore. We just saw them destroy a red-hot Brock Purdy. So, two is just QB 16 for me. If I had a better option, I would certainly consider it. All right, we close out with Jake Browning. He's got the Chiefs. If you've been in a tough super flex spot, Browning might have been useful to you this year, but maybe that luck has run out here, Matthew. Once in their past seven games, literally once in their past seven games, have the Chiefs allowed multiple touchdown passes as well. They're a top three pass defense on the year. Um, since, uh, since in the last seven games, they're averaging under 15 fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So, again, Probably don't expect Jamar Chase in this game. I think Browning is merely a low-end QB2 option. He's QB20 for me this week. We're taking one more break. When we're back, it's time for last call. We got our best bets for Thursday night football. Jets, Browns, right after this. 
Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code Barry when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It is time for last call. Let's take a look at the most bet player props for Thursday Night Football, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. Joe Flacco passing touchdowns over one and a half is number one. That's a plus 145. Flacco's over on passing yards, 230 and a half. Uh, that, is a, that is at number two. Amari Cooper receiving yards over. David Njoku receiving yards over. Joe Flacco interceptions thrown over 0.5. A board full of the Browns offense. Jay, are you pivoting to maybe the Browns defense? Indeed I am, Connor. Going with Miles Garrett over 0.75 sacks. So basically to record a full sack uh, at minus 145. Now the price is already on the move, but... Here's the thing with Miles Garrett. I know he hasn't had a sack in the past four weeks, but the past three weeks, he has been magnificent. He's had 26 pressures in the past three weeks without a sack. Except he sacked Trevor Lawrence on a two-point uh, attempt that doesn't count as a sack. So I think against the Jets' offensive line, Jets likely trailing in this game as seven-and-a-half-point dogs. I think Miles Garrett will uh, end America's nightmare and, uh, and get a sack at last. Matthew, what are you looking at in this uh, messy Thursday night matchup? Well, you never like to you know, <clears throat> be on the same side as the public, but I actually am in this one. I'm taking the over on David Njoku receiving yards as well. He's averaging over nine targets a game um, with uh, Joe Flacco under center. 49.5 is the number. He's hit this number in five of the last seven games, and you think about sort of how this game plays out. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner on the corner, so you try to attack the middle of the field, especially with Amari Cooper at less than 100% of potentially missing this game. Give me the over on 49.5 receiving yards for David Njoku who has become a go-to guy for Joe Flacco. All right, guys, two for you here. Browns under 21 and a half points. I don't think they need to score a lot in this game against Trevor Simeon. This is one where they could win 17 to 3, 17 to 6. Browns offense, they've been airing it out. Don't think that's the script for this one. And then Bryce Huff, a half sack plus 170 if you want some value. The Brees Hall receptions market has been surging. <laughs> so that's usually a fun one, but uh, not tonight. Before we go... Matthew, I know you'll be off tomorrow, so I want to wish you a early happy birthday, and I yes. suggest everyone to do the same. Happy birthday, Happy Matthew. birthday, Matthew. Thank you. Yes. Thank um, you. I, at this time tomorrow, I intend to be very drunk. Um, uh, <laughs> and it won't be here. I'm, just, I'm spending it quietly with my family, honestly. Uh, we're just, no, just going to hang out and uh, just very kind of quiet, reflective birthday. I'm really enjoying it. So uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank you to everyone on the show. And uh, I'll see you Sunday morning for Fantasy Football Pregame. I'll be back for that. All right. And early happy birthday to Matthew. Make sure you wish him that. 
For him, for Jay, I'm Connor. We will be back tomorrow with Lawrence at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Peacock. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.